Hello and welcome to the Weekend Wrap for the week on Wednesday. I am your host, Ben Davison, and it is Sunday, the 7th of August, 2022. And I hope it's a lovely day wherever you are around Australia and indeed the world. And let's start with some good news that's happened at the end of this week. Australia has passed through its lower house a 43% emissions reduction target uh, and associated policy positions. This will be a floor, not a ceiling, on what Australia will achieve between now and 2030 for reducing our emissions. This is great news. It means 600,000 new jobs, mostly in regional Australia, and it means that finally we can start to say that the climate wars are ending. I wouldn't say they're over because, let's face it, while Labor, the Greens, the Teals, and it appears as though potentially David Pocock and the Jackie Lambie Network will support this in the Senate and make it law, Peter Dutton and the Coalition, with the exception of one Bridget Archer, voted against it. That's right. There is a wonderful photo of Peter Dutton and his little gang of boys in the naughty corner where they belong, quite frankly, because they continue to oppose real action on climate change. They continue to oppose embracing the opportunities of a clean energy future. We saw this week that the Labor government also announced a whole series of offshore wind areas. This is the sort of thing Labor does in government. We saw Tanya Plibersek suggest that she would not be approving Clive Palmer's new coal mine. These are all good, good things, things that Peter Dutton opposes. In fact, Peter Dutton's response to the climate bills, the emission reduction bills, the new economy jobs bills was to announce a review into nuclear energy. After a decade in government, Peter Dutton and his cronies couldn't make nuclear energy a viable alternative fuel source. Somehow or another, they think putting the same person in charge of the same inquiry while in opposition will somehow result in a different outcome. Well, the only thing I can guarantee you is that they will find nuclear energy is more expensive. Except that won't be what they put in the report because, of course, that's not the outcome they're looking for. If you set up your own inquiry, you appoint your own chair, and you already know the outcome you want, I'm pretty sure, Peter, you'll manage to get there in the end. Of course, none of that makes any difference to reality because the reality is nuclear power is not on the table in Australia. What is on the table is offshore wind, solar, onshore wind, batteries, and upgrading our electricity grid. All fantastic things for the nation. Peter Dutton continued this fortnight with his obsession on the CFMEU. Let me tell you this. Peter Dutton's obsession with the CFMEU is all about the economy. It's all about culture wars. And what do I mean by that? Well, we've seen since Anthony Albanese announced the wording for the voice to parliament 
and the recognition of First Nations Australians in our constitution, a massive uptick in trolling on the week on Wednesday pages. We've seen it across the board, in fact. I'm sure there are others who've had it much, much worse than we have. What this tells us is that they are importing lock, stock, and barrel from the US culture war templates to try and drive wedges between Australians. There are some terrible things being said about what The Voice is and what The Voice will do. Let's be really clear. The Voice is about recognising First Nations Australians were here first, that they remain here, that this land was their land first. It's about ensuring that they have a voice on policy issues that relate to them and their communities. It's not a third chamber of parliament. It's not handing over people's backyards. It's none of the fear things that people seem to be riled up about. Frankly, as a non-First Nations Australian, I think this is a fantastic opportunity for us to accept the hand of friendship that's being offered as part of the Uluru Statement from the Heart to say that we acknowledge our history, we acknowledge our past, we acknowledge our present, and we hope and work for a better future together. And that First Nations Australians have a role in that. That's what the voice is establishing. It's getting rid of the paternalism that has a group of white men, mostly white men, in Canberra setting policy and determining the future of communities that have existed for tens of thousands of years. That has to stop. It has to stop. And the voice is part of making that change happen. Of course, Peter Dutton doesn't want you to know the truth about that. Instead, there is a whole gaggle of people, Pauline Hanson first and foremost among them, who want to divide us on this issue. So Peter Dutton, he decides to distract us with the CFMEU. Despite the fact that the economy is struggling after a decade of mismanagement, he decides that he'll attack the union movement. Why? Because he knows the union movement supports the voice. He knows the union movement wants economic reform. He knows the union movement is telling people the truth that profits are up, wages are down, inflation is being caused by corporate greed, not by wages. That's not a story Peter Dutton wants people to hear. He wants people to hear that the CFMU are bad guys, that the CFMU and the Labor Party work together. Well, Peter, that's not a secret. The Labor movement, made up of the union movement and the Labor Party, have been together for some time, longer, in fact, than the Liberals and the Nationals. So if, like me, you want to see higher wages, more secure employment, safer workplaces, and a fairer community, 
where working people have the opportunity to participate actively in building our nation, join your union. Go to australianunions.org.au slash wow, that's W-O-W, to join your union right now. You can join online and wouldn't Peter Dutton just hate that? (laughs) Wouldn't Peter Dutton just hate that? Because let me tell you this, the free market radicalism espoused by people like Peter Dutton that would see unions sidelined or crushed. Don't forget, Peter Dutton brought up the CFMEU partly because he wants an ideological cop on construction sites. This kind of radicalism is how important socioeconomic policies and socioeconomic programs are undermined. And I'll give you the classic example. Today, in The Guardian, Paul Karp has written a piece about the NDIS, a fantastic labour reform. But for the last decade, it has been mismanaged by the coalition. Paul Karp's article is eye-opening, and we have discussed on the week on Wednesday before some of the issues around the NDIS and employment. Of course, regular listeners of the show will know that from time to time, I've done some work with HireUp, a employment-based platform provider that is registered with the NDIS. There are, of course, other platforms in the NDIS that are not registered, that are not employment-based. And Paul Karp's article explores one of these providers that is not only engaging in what is an Uberized form of sham contracting, as HSU National Secretary Lloyd Williams said, contracting is exploding. These are people who are, for all intents and purposes, in employment, but are treated as contractors. This platform, Mabel, is now also offering what amounts to payday loans. If you want to be paid on time through Mabel, you can elect to pay Mabel an additional fee to get paid on time. Now, this would be unlawful if an employer was doing it to employees. But because Mabel has set itself up, in its own words, to be a horizontal platform provider, not a vertical platform provider, and if someone can decode the kind of econobabble that these people come out with, please let me know what that's supposed to mean. But because they're set up in this way, they're not subject to the same regulations and requirements as an employer. Now, this is outrageous. Here you have a platform clipping the ticket from the worker, clipping the ticket from the participant. There's no question the NDIS is a fantastic piece of socioeconomic policy, but it needs to be reformed. These kind of ticket clippers who say quite openly they're not employers, they don't do any of the things that employers do, 
but somehow or another are extracting 15% from the from the NDIS, from the invoice. This they can't be allowed to continue. It seems bizarre to me that someone who doesn't provide training, doesn't provide supervision, doesn't provide the benefits of registration, the safety, the quality assurances, doesn't do any of that, doesn't pay superannuation, doesn't pay workers' compensation, is clipping the ticket and taking from the NDIS the money that is set aside in the price, in the policy for those things, is taking it for itself. Then the worker has to find the money within the price that they charge to the participant to cover all of those things themselves. Of course, what we know actually happens is that those things don't get covered at all. So what we know happens is that while around $15, let's say, is available in the price for things like training, supervision, workers' compensation, to ensure quality and safety. Those things are not put aside for. And in fact, the explosion of contracting in the NDIS and in aged care shows that there is a significant problem. The NDIS itself, in its price guide, assumes that 70% of the workforce will be in permanent employment. The other 30% will effectively be casuals, and the prices are set accordingly. There's almost no assumption around contractors. Now, how do we solve this? Let's have a different price guide for contracting. Let's get the Mables out of the system. Let's have employers who pay the award or above who put aside money for workers' compensation, who ensure that there is they are registered and providing proper quality services. Let's make sure they have a price guide that works for participants. And let's give contractors a price guide that actually costs out what it costs to be a contractor, not a price guide that assumes a whole series of overheads that they don't incur that assumes a whole series of expenses that they will never pay and allows them to pocket the difference or allows a third party, a platform like Mabel, to come in and simply take money for nothing. Now, why aren't we hearing more about this? I mean, Paul Carp's piece is excellent and I'd certainly recommend it. I'll post links to it all on every platform that I can. But why aren't more media outlets covering this? Why isn't it in news.com? Why isn't it on Channel 10? Well, because platforms like Mabel have a vested interest, clearly, in making sure that the public doesn't understand how these systems work. So much so that they have signed up to a thing called Scale Up Media. Now, anyone who's been following the Uber files in the UK will be a little bit familiar with what I'm talking about. Because what Scale Up Media is, is it is a fund, in inverted commas, 
where startups, platforms, tech bros can go and trade equity in their company for media coverage. And of course, News Limited and Channel 10 are signed up to scale up media. And what have they got? Shares in Mabel. This is an absolute classic conflict. There is no question in my mind that the NDIS is a vital part of our socio-economic infrastructure, that there are hundreds of thousands of Australians who benefit from its existence, even as it is now today. But that equally, there is no question in my mind that reform is needed. We cannot have payday lending backed by a government-funded program. We cannot have, quote-unquote, sole contractors out there taking tens of thousands of dollars for costs they don't incur from the taxpayer. This is a system that needs to be fixed. We cannot have a company like Mabel that has $100 million of foreign private equity investment in it trading shares for media coverage. This is an absolute stinker of a situation. It does not pass the pub test. Nobody, nobody who wants the NDIS to work would sit down and go, what we need to do here is have foreign private equity set up Uber-style contracting platforms, give shares to the media so that they only get positive media coverage, and allow them to charge for costs they'd never incur. That is not how anyone would envisage the NDIS, except perhaps people who view the NDIS as a cash cow and a scheme to get rich quick. Now, I know this story will upset a lot of people, and I want to firstly say to anyone who is accessing the NDIS. This is not an attack on the NDIS. This is not an attack on participants in the NDIS. Nobody who has used Mabel or is using contractors is doing something inherently wrong. The system is set up the way it is. What I'm saying is that the system needs to change. The proper protections need to be put in place for the workers and for the participants. Because the participants are effectively engaging the contractors. So are they responsible for the workplace health and safety? Are they responsible for the workers' compensation? Are they responsible for the timely payment of the invoices? All of these are questions that get raised and very few are ever answered. Clarity in the system. Having an NDIS that is fit for purpose that allows workers and participants to be at the centre of decision-making, not a system that is set up 
to allow profiteers and Uber-style platforms to clip the ticket and take a profit and ship it back to their offshore private equity owners. That's the weekend wrap for this week. Don't forget to join Van and I for our 100th episode of the week on Wednesday, this Wednesday. It's hard to believe that it's already been 100 episodes of the week on Wednesday. Of course, a huge shout out and congratulations to all of our Buy Me A Coffee supporters, buymeacoffee.com slash week on Wednesday. If you go there, you can check it out. There'll be links. Uh, We also have uh, ways that you can help contribute to the podcast to help us reach more audience, reach more people, get the message out. And of course, don't forget to leave a review, like, share, comment, all those things. We absolutely rely on our listeners uh, and your feedback. Tell, tell us what you think. Have you had experiences with the NDIS? Have you had experiences with Mabel as a participant, as a worker? Have you been locked into a payday lending scheme that you can't get out of? Let us know. Tell us what's going on and we will talk about it on the show. Until Wednesday, remember to be kind to yourself and to each other.